my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Everyone and welcome to today's episode of HR Sound Off. Thank you so much for joining me today. And th- today's topic is a very interesting one, one that we haven't touched yet, which relates to health and safety and why that matters. And here to have this conversation with me today is health and safety expert Melanie James from Barbados. I have been following Melanie's career for some time now. Um, I follow her on LinkedIn, but I'm always reading articles articles that she writes in our local um, newspaper business authority where she's always sharing her expertise and knowledge as it relates to health and safety matters Um, but I'm not going to continue to talk about Melanie I got to give her an opportunity to talk about herself and and you know introduce herself to you so welcome to the sound booth Melanie James how are you Thank you very much for having me Julie it's just an awesome pleasure to be here with you and your viewers Well, you know, my name is Melanie James. If you know me, you know that I'm very passionate about occupational safety and health and seeing a marriage between that and human resources management. I do think that you cannot speak about one without speaking about the other. My career started through volunteering. Let's go all the way back, actually, because my passion initially was just solely HR. So I studied labor and employment relations. Uh And in my final year, we had a guest lecture by Mr. Harold Oxley, who's an occupational hygienist well-known in Barbados for his company, RE in Health, and what they do. And after hearing his um, hour and a half guest lecture, I was enthused. It's like something within my heart just was bubbling so fast. I couldn't <laughs> believe that it wasn't HR and it was something else. Right. And I said, I really need to explore this. Uh-huh. And I had enough guts and courage after the the lecture to go up to him and ask him a bit more, engage him in conversation. And I asked him about the possibility of coming by his office to be able to engage with him, use because he spoke about the lab- extensive library that he had at his office that spoke about standards. And I said, if I really want to get into this thing, I really need to throw myself into it. Right. And he obliged and he said, I can come on Fridays as soon as my class schedule had reduced a little. And as soon as I was able to do my last four courses, he said, you can come on. I started in November of that year and I worked, I volunteered with him for about 11 months. And through that time, I just began to see how much I really yearned. And you know, they say there's always something in you that tells you this is what you're passionate about. This is where you want to go. And I saw actually saw myself blossom during the time I was there and it wasn't just learning from him actually executing the task but actually going through the library going through the national the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health Standards out of the U.S. and being intrigued of how far behind we are in Barbados and I realized Mm -hmm. that my true purpose is to have a part to play in bringing Barbados the Caribbean up to the level that we should be because it's all about protecting people right 
Once I left RE and graduated from university, I got an internship with the Barbados Employers Confederation, mm -hmm. and I moved on to be their research and health and safety officer. There, when I joined, the health and safety portfolio was very slim, probably two or three services that they were offering and two, two courses. Right. And I said, I, as I spoke to Mr. Walcott, he was the one who hired me at the time. Right. I said, you know that I'm passionate about this. Right? He said, Melanie, I see it breathing from within you. I said, okay, great. <laughs> and he said, you take it and you run with it. And that is why every time I talk about my career, I must say that Colin Anthony, people know him as Tony. So Colin Tony Anthony Walcott, um, he really was the person who, while I got the passion initially from Harold Oxley, right. Tony Walcott really fed my passion in allowing me to blossom into who I really wanted to be without being there to say, this is where you should go, but really allowed me to find my path and to develop that path for the Confederation at the time. Mm -hmm. So by the time I left, the Confederation had a full suite of courses with 12 of them. And I also continued my connection with the ILO, being ILO certified, one of two persons in Barbados to be able to offer that international certification in the essentials of occupational safety and health. Mm -hmm. And I didn't just do it by myself. I said it was time for me to also share and allow health and safety to continue, even if I don't stay at the BEC. So right. I took a colleague with me. We went to Turin and we certified ourselves to be able to offer that service to the members of the Barbadian public. Mm -hmm. Well, I was at the BEC. I was sitting on the fence for a long time. And I know I talk about the marriage of EHR and health and safety. So I was a labor management advisor and a health and safety specialist. And I said for too long, I've been sitting on this fence. I need to choose a path. And people know me, knew me back then, mostly for labor relations, collective bargaining agreements, giving HR advice to the members of the DC. And I said, I really wanted to be known for occupational safety now. So I needed to step out. Right. And at the time, there was a vacancy at Massey Distribution Group. And I went to be their health and safety officer. I was actually just there for only six months, but being there and realizing that I could devote myself solely to health and safety and still have a part to play in HR, I said, I don't need to sit on the fence. I can be in health and safety, but still lend my expertise to HR because in essence, we are one. We are, we are there to care for, attend to, and develop human resources. Yeah. And once I finished there, I also started my business, Dynamics 360 Consulting, and that took me to the BVA where I worked with the Labor Department and the Ministry of Natural Resources and Immigration to develop their health and safety public standard. They already had a national standard only for those in the public service, but there was an overall standard existing for the entire business sector. Mm -hmm. So I worked on developing a guide to health and safety. I trained and certified 38 of the business owners in the BVA. And then we launched a campaign called Take five steps of taking it safe taking it safe mm -hmm. and we had five steps with five fingers and we were able to use that we had imagery across the island we had training sessions with schools and while engaging in that I was I got a job offer and I am here at the BVI now working as the health and safety manager at the BVI Electricity Corporation I came to BVI Electricity and they had no health and safety portfolio the HR officer was actually trying her best to put together put together some semblance of health and safety but it was mostly focused on the annual medical certificates and issuing 
um, health and safety, well, not health and safety equipment, but uniforms. Right. However, when it came, it was about bringing our uniforms up to code with the NFPA standard because electricity is no joke. I think everybody understands that. And ensuring that every facet of the business, including procurement, understood that health and safety is deeply intertwined in every activity that we undertake. And it was initially very difficult because, you know, it takes a long time for culture to break. And... I've been here for a year and a half. I'm actually beginning to see it turn around. I was speaking about it on my LinkedIn. I was using the Safety Champions program to engage employees, but no, I don't need to, as I was telling the staff, I don't need to flirt with staff, flirt $20 in their face or $70 in their face to say, this is what you can get if you care about health and safety. No, they willingly come and say, this is what we're going to, to do to the point that now we have our own health and safety app where staff, where they don't see me because I am at five different locations, just me, and which is on five different islands. So when I'm not at a particular location, a particular day, someone needs to say something to me. So I told them, well, the app will be the best way to go. You can report anything you want to report on that portal. And that is where we are right now, Julie. Wow. That's full already. What a journey. I feel like that in itself is a whole podcast, Melanie. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Like, I'm so proud of you. Um, and you really continue to go from strength to strength, you know, and that's very important. And what I love is that you start your story with, I started by volunteering. And I think that a lot of people, you know, as they ask that question about how do I get into HR? How would I get into something like health and safety? And I always say to people, you know, volunteer, um, do an internship, an unpaid internship. People want to give you stuff, but they may not want to pay. But if you are passionate about what you want to do and you want to get through a door, start by saying, look, I'm willing to do this for free just because I want to know what's going on and this is what I want to get into and I, I want to learn more. So I really do appreciate that part of your story. And then as you've developed and grown, um, I really appreciate that so much. So good, good for you. Kudos to you, my friend. Thank so, you. How, occupational health and safety. This is one of those things where it's almost like, I know or organizations feel about health and safety pretty much the same way they feel about HR is like oh do we really have to have this do we really <laughs> have to do this and I I know um one of the things that really stressed me out very initially was when the occupational health and safety app came out with all those requirements um for Barbados yeah. and you had to ensure that employers had those things and I got a lot of pushback at first and I was like listen you know if we don't do this, you know, we're going to be subject to violations, we're going to be subject to penalties, you know, it makes sense to make the staff happy and just have these things done. What are some of the conversations that HR professionals should be having with their leadership at this point to ensure that there's proper health and safety in their organization? And I think it starts with the same thing, a conversation about culture. And I want to tell people that health and safety is not a priority. Health and safety is not only a policy or a legal mantra for you to follow. It should be an entrenched value within the organization because priority change changes, sorry. And just as we have life every day, to sustain that life, we actually need health and safety. And without it, an organization is unable to thrive successfully. You may be able to thrive successfully for a short period of time or even into the medium term, but without having reinforced policies, without having a culture that speaks to how you value your employees and value their lives, then you are going to be unable to sustain success 
such success for a prolonged period of time. So that conversation needs to start with value. Yeah. And that value, one being health and safety and the culture that you want to develop within your organization. Your next conversation with them after you've reigned home on the importance of culture and human life and limb is the whole idea of leading by example. Because sometimes we spend so much time on creating a culture, employee engagement. But then the, on one hand, we are doing that. On the other hand, we may be pulling down the engagement that we are building up because they don't see the management team taking the steps that we want the employees to make. And therefore, over time, the employees become demoralized or they go back to the point where you had them initially because they're unable to see true buy-in from the level of leadership that they would want to see it. And as much as employees know that you care about them when we have staff parties or if we engage them in championship awards or if we recognize them, they still want to see that it is not an us and them, but it's more about unity on the things that are most important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I love what you said about understanding the importance of life on them. Um, And I think that if you come from a space of, look, I want my employees to live and I want them to get to work safely and come home safely, um, which is one of, the, one of the organizations that I worked with um, was gas and oil. And that was one of the things that they had and that you have it as a core value. We want our employees to get home safe. We want our employees to get to work safe. And we want them to have a safe environment to work in and a safe environment to live in. And I think that once we come from that space, um, then we recognize the importance of ensuring that everything that pertains to the employee safety all around and more holistically um, is what people will appreciate. So, so thank you for sharing that. And I like the point you said about getting home safe as well, because it's not just about what we do at work, but something is also about allowing our staff the time to be able to actually get home safely. Um, We had a lot of rains recently, just to be topical. We had a lot of rain recently. And if you know you have an employee who lives in St. Lucie and St. Peter, which had lots of rain and roads were closed, you shouldn't be asking that employee to stay to 4.30 with most other employees. Mm -hmm. The level of care that you should have that reinforces your health and safety program would be able to tell that employee a part of getting home safe is being able to traverse from the workplace to your home in a safe manner as well because health and safety lives outside of the organization. Mm -hmm. As I tell people, it's a way of life. So whatever we do at work, we want to be able to see that we can also be able to practice these same values in a home and even when we're out and about in our daily life absolutely i agree with you 100 percent. that's why i say it's very important to focus on not just getting to work but also getting home and then ensuring that people are safe while they're at home and one of the things that we always focus on with this particular time of the year rainy season and <laughs> making sure that employees have everything that they need in order to be safe in their home as well uh, what are some of the things that because I know that this is something that comes up a lot with regards to business continuity from a health and safety perspective, would you say is critical to business continuity, especially if you're in the islands like we are or anywhere for that matter? What are some of the things that you should be considering as it relates to business continuity? So when we speak about business continuity, there are three parts of it. Being able to recognize that a natural hazard technological hazard, economic hazard can exist and they do exist. Mm -hmm. 
being prepared for, for those hazards and being able to respond and be able to recover. So first of all, you must understand your position. It's like knowing yourself. As a business, as a company, who are we? What are we exposed to? How exposed are we to these things? What kinds of plans can I put in place to ensure that we are prepared? And that begins to give you the groundwork. That's just the groundwork. You, you know where you are, and then you're able to see where you need to get. Right. Once you're able to put mitigation, mitigating measures in place, um, same with the rains. Did you consider having sandbags if you were in a low-lying area? And these days, it's not even really a low-lying area anymore because we have to also consider the um, what the drainage system may look like yeah. and if everybody around us is doing it, their taking their responsibility seriously. And if they're not taking their responsibility seriously, then you may also have to bear some part of their, their responsibility just to ensure that you are in a safe position. Mm -hmm. So case in point may be a business. You operate next door to, well, right now I operate directly next to the incinerator. And on occasion, the incinerator, they're unable to control it. So it actually just keeps, the fire just keeps going until it outs on its own for for whatever reason, or they're spontaneous fires. And my gas, my diesel tanks are the closest to this area. So I, I then had to ensure that we had a fire system that also protects the incinerator when they need it. So if our guys need to operate the incinerate, the foam system that we have on our site, it actually um, projects 150 meters over our, through our fence mm -hmm. to be able to cool that fire to ensure that we are not impacted by it. Okay. So those are the things that you may also need to consider. Yeah. Once you can put the mitigating, mitigating steps in place, then you practice, right. practice, 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 practice. So drills are important. So you can have a, a organizational way drill. Yes. Mm -hmm. But if you have selected for wardens or traffic wardens, emergency evacuation wardens, you need to also on a regular basis go through their responsibilities with them. So they understand how they can keep themselves under cam. Right. And I tell people it's not just having an, a basic drill. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to simulate. Yes. So sometimes I have smoke cannons. Yes. And one of my um, medical drills, I had an employee faint at work to see, test to see if the employees who were to first aid class remembered what they should do. What are these three C's? I, sometimes I even go around and say, what are these three C's, Bevin? What are these, th these three C's, um, Dwayne? Just to understand if they recall, because yeah. if you're unable to give them the chance to recall, when they need to recall, it's buried so far down that mm -hmm. they don't know where to find it. It's true. Um, so practice, 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 which mm -hmm. helps you with your response and then recovery. Your mitigation measures should also have uh, the ability to allow you to recover fast enough. Yeah. So while I have foam on the outside for our diesel tanks, I'm not going to have foam on the inside for our generator because that's going to destroy the operating parts of the generator. And therefore, we just use water or carbon dioxide for electrical equipment, as you may know, if you do right. the fire department first aid course. But yeah. keeping it simple, let your computer equipment, mm -hmm. if, you if you back up, because some people back up and then they keep the backup in the same company. Uh -huh. in the same room yeah. you can't do a backup and then keep it in this keep it in a cabinet in the same room no, you, you need can't. to have a backup that is off-site so mm -hmm. that allows you to recover a lot faster than mm -hmm. being able to clean up that room recover those files to 
be able to pull your funds back up again. Right. So having a backup and a backup to your backup if you can. Yeah. But I tell people you start somewhere. You don't need to go a hundred yards initially because we know some of these things are costly. Right. I use an I love to use this example. And you let me know if I'm going off too much. Um, go on. Julie. Go on, go on. Uh, example, when I first joined the BC, um, probably in the third week, I came to work and I saw the front glass shattered for the front door. And my gear started tick, um, ticking. I was like, suppose this is an explosive. How would the people on the, the bottom floor get out? Because that was a year after we had the fire in town where the five young ladies. Oh, okay. Yes, and I said, we can't have this again. We Sometimes we think that, oh, that may have been a one-off occasion, but we, right. we need to know what is possible. And we know yeah. it's possible because it happened yeah. then. So I said, suppose that was an explosive. How are you going to get out? Because that was your main exit. Mm-hmm. And that would have cut off the other exit, which was in the basement, because you need to pass that area for them to cross the stairs to go down to get to the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, I'm not sure. I said, this is, this is an example for you. We can shave down the middle pane of your window. No, you don't have to burst out a wall right away. Yes, we know there's a lot of money that we may not have now. You can allow your window to be your escape point because you're on the ground floor. Yeah. But you can still allow security by ensuring the, the pain is still there, but the weakest or smallest person in that office is able to kick it out. We did it. We tried it. We made sure it worked. And that did not cost them more than $150 to be able to oh. implement yeah. So sometimes we need that out of the box kind of thinking yeah. to be able to implement things well on a budget. Yes, definitely. And I think that that's very important because a lot of, as you said, this is COVID time. A lot of times we make a lot of sacrifices to save money. And sometimes things from a health and safety perspective may suffer. Um, you know, learning and development may suffer and all those other things. But we want to always make sure that we're keeping our employees safe. I think that that's a great example as well. So as we talk about that health and safety on a low budget, what are the things that an organization, let's say an organization of 20 or more, must have, must have, and can be provided with on a low budget to be safe? Well, any organization in Barbados, first and foremost, should have a health and safety representative or health and safety committee with 20 or more persons. So it's a committee for 20 or more persons. Right. If you're less than 20, you have a representative. Right. At least you have a voice for your employees. Because as management, we don't we may think that we are on the ground, but our employees have a more uh, close relationship with yes. the, each other yeah. and also with the resources and systems within which they work. Mm-hmm. Health and safety committee costs you no money about allowing them the resource of having a conference room to meet, giving them some paper to be able to print their agendas and share their minutes with the staff. Then you would need to have a fire detection system. Fire detection system, at, if you go to HMB or if you go to safety supply and so on, can run you like $12.50 for one. And this is just to start you off because you want to know that you can detect if there's the smoke, right? Uh, there's smoke, sorry, or right. if there's heat. So having detection can really help you to respond. Mm-hmm. You also need to be able to have, if you have, depend on your risk, your, it all depends on your risk assessment. You need to have personal protective equipment for our staff at minimum to cover them. No, I usually say that PPE is the lower end of the scale. Okay. It is the last line of response. You should try to eliminate. But elimination and engineering controls usually cost money up front. 
Right. So while you think about what you can do, you give your staff the PPE, personal protective equipment, whether it's gloves, safety boots, um, harnesses, what I, whatever it takes to reduce the exposure that they can have with the risk that is um, possible. Right. Having a set out policy, which mm-hmm. costs you no money up, up front, really. Right. This is just setting aside time and people resources to really assess what is happening within your organization mm-hmm. and which would give you the blueprint to the mitigation measures that you would need to put in place. Training, mm-hmm. training is the next big thing. Just yeah. as much as we ensure we train on operations, on our systems, we need to train on our health and safety systems as well. Absolutely. And we need to repeat, repeat, repeat because health and safety sometimes does not come natural to persons. Right. And if you, they say that repetition is the mother of learning. Yeah. So if you want your staff to learn, you need to repeat this training. So sometimes every year you may, you may do the same things every year. I would say two years, you can run the same, the same course for your staff mm-hmm. and ensure that everyone with who is exposed to a particular hazard is right. give exposed to that training. Mm-hmm. So you train and you train and you train. And in the legislation in Barbados says that everyone should know, well, at least every organization should have a first aider and persons who can help defend the company against fire. So fire wardens and first aiders for every 150 persons. So mm-hmm. at least one for if you have a staff of 20 or more, but on every shift. So if you have multiple shifts, you therefore need to have one person on each shift who is a first aider and who can assist you with um, fire evacuation and fighting fires. Well, okay. only small fires as a fire department would say. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. Melanie, I really appreciate it because I think that a lot of people feel that um, being prepared as a health and safety committee in an organization is a lot of work and that it's going to take a lot of different things and it's going to cost a lot of money to do it. But um, clearly shown that it's possible to do it on a budget as well. And that extends to anyone. So as Melanie is speaking, she's speaking as it pertains to Barbados, but this pertains to everyone in the audience and health and safety is important. And so you want to make sure that you understand the legislation of your country and what the requirements are for your organization. And you want to make sure that you have those things implemented in your organization as well. So thanks for sharing that, Melanie. One last point. While I'm talking about Barbados, is basically talking about the entire Caribbean because our legislations actually pretty much mirror each other yeah. when it comes to health and safety. Okay, got it. Um, so we could talk about health and safety all day long. I think definitely, but we don't have that time. <laughs> so <laughs> yes can you tell us what are you reading watching listening to right now that you think other HR professionals would find very useful to add to their toolbox well I am actually not reading a particular book but I am um, every week the American Mental Health Association they actually release a journal every week since COVID that gives you some techniques that you can utilize in the workplace. And sometimes they have it based on the industry that you're in. So they outline some steps and measures you can take to help reduce stress. They also give you ways in which you can determine if any of your employees are cognitively overwhelmed. Um, Last week's assessment was on demand and control. And the simple ways you can use as opposed to going to the Carasec model or what we would usually use in HR and health and safety, they actually give some really user-friendly tips to be able to understand how you balance that demand and control. Mm -hmm. And they tell you the different personality traits 
so that you can pin a person that you're looking at to the trait and then use the balance that they have identified. So I'm paying close attention to that just because of the environment that we're in. Yeah. Um, there are persons are overwhelmed because everything now is taking just a little bit longer, having mm-hmm. to take into consideration the COVID-19 environment and the precautions that we have to take. So I see persons becoming overwhelmed and I don't want them to get to the point where they are unable to respond adequately. Yeah. So preparing myself helped me to also prepare my staff members as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I will make sure that we attach the link to that resource in the comments when we release this episode. Indeed. Oh, the big question. What is the biggest misconception about HR that really bugs you that you want to set the record straight on, Melanie? My biggest misconception is that health and safety and HR are not related to each other. Mm -hmm. Ring really and truly, they are the same family. They're like brothers and sisters, or maybe they are identical twins. (laughs) because we have the same outcome in our minds and the misconception that an HR professional is unable to manage health and safety is another thing because I believe you have the basics already you have people at the center and your company name HR at heart yeah I think if you're HR at heart any HR professional you would understand the, the basic concepts of occupational health and safety and you would be able to manage it well but I think people usually see health and safety and they go hands up that's not for me yeah but if you're in a small organization that's something that you should get accustomed to you should dabble in make yourself aware of it because it really falls in line with what you want to do with your staff members and your organization absolutely thank you so much for clearing that up and I think that a lot of people would appreciate what you're saying because I think um, for the most part, when people hear health and safety, they go, well, that's not an HR thing, but it really is an HR thing because if you're focused on keeping your people safe to work at work and at home, then it is an HR thing because you are responsible for your people and not just ensuring that they are engaged and that they are feeling that they belong in the organization, but you want to keep them safe. And safety plays a very big part in that space for HR professionals. So thank you for clearing up that misconception. Can you tell our audience where they can find you on social media? You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, at Dynamic360 Consulting. Uh, My personal LinkedIn, Melanie C. James. And that's M-E-L-O-N-Y. Yes, different. I know. But all good things come from things that are different. Yeah. So Melanie James, Melanie C. James on LinkedIn. And yes, that's it. Facebook, I'm also Dynamic 360 Consulting. Okay, great. So I will make sure that I share those links at the end of the podcast as well. Thank you so much, Melanie. You have survived your time in the sound booth. Thank you so much for joining me. I am hoping you will be back for us to have part two on health and safety because like I said, we could talk about this all day long. Long Um, I know, right? So thanks again for joining me and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. 
thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again in the next Sound Off.